The All Souls Forum is a production of the Unitarian Universalist Church at 4501 Walnut Street in Kansas City, Missouri. Here is this week's production of the All Souls Forum. Good morning. I'm Alex Westerfeld, a member here at All Souls and a part of the UU Forum. And we are glad to host you this morning both in person and online. Welcome. The Forum Committee organizes these platforms for the discussion of significant issues, especially those that involve ethical issues in the contemporary world. So this morning we have Kansas City poets Ron Faust and Joseph Davis. Both of them use poetry to communicate their visions of social justice. Ron Faust regularly writes for PeaceWorks in Kansas City and has a number of books. Joseph Davis' books include Black Lives Matter and other poems. So we will have a presentation by both poets this morning. And then after that, we'll have questions uh, that they're available to take. So we will start this morning with Joseph. Good morning, everybody. I want to thank, first of all, Alex. Uh, because I didn't get back to him. I want to thank Carolyn McDonald for uh, uh, asking me to do this. Uh, Carolyn, we hope you get home soon. I am supposed to be at work and got everything kind of mixed up and confused. So uh, I'm going to stay and uh, for as long as I can and then get back and pull trash at the hospital and do all the things that I do at St. Luke's. Um, it's discharge day. And of course, with the game, it's kind of busy. But when I was asked to do this, when Carolyn asked me to do this, I thought it was such a broad topic. And I know that most of us here at have participated in one form or another of some kind of social protest or social justice. Uh, you know, and I think for me personally, as I, uh, you know, have kind of taken a break from uh, writing, I, I look back and I see just how um, necessary it is for the poet or the artist in these times to uh, be present, especially if we are members of this church and members of uh, the broader UUA. Social protest and, oops, beg pardon. Social protest and poetry, whether together or apart, encompass too broad a scope to articulate anything approaching coherence at this late hour. I've somehow won a battle of attrition with that nagging character defect of mine, procrastination. To share with you some of my thoughts on these vast topics, in between I will share some of my work as well, and I will start I love this poem, and I, I just decided what I would do is just kind of start from the cuff and just read, uh, just go and read. 
I love this poem because I love summer. And uh, this is Summer Notes. Uh, just imagine it's summer. As you sit and slowly rock on the front porch swing, listening to the momentous wisdom of thunder and the prophetic catharsis of driving rain, remember beauty. And when you hear the song of cicadas ricochet among the trees, tired and heavy under their blessed burden of green, remember peace. Creation's grace will make you giddy when you bite into the ripe and reddest peach. And if you don't have a napkin to catch the juice dripping from your chin, the universe understands. Watch fireflies rise from cut and uncut lawns to herald the sultry solitude of night and remember gratitude. And I love watching you gaze at the birds scattering like jacks tossed from a child's sticky hand because you never cave in to that nameless fear that tries to invade our serenity here. Because see, compassion thrives in summer, like lovers on their way home to make sweat and babies under the humid moon, while brooding pigeons, pigeons are cooing their approval and simmering syncopation to the raucous roundelay of crickets. Thank you. As I said, I think, you know, let's be frank, you know, many of you have been a part of social protesting if you are a member of All Souls Church. You not only believe in service to you, that human, that service to human dignity is our law, but it is also our gift. And so I took the liberty of changing the subject around a bit to the poetry of social protest, like those word magnets that some poets use on their refrigerators, you know. In this way, I can latch on to some ideas to share with you about uh, poetry and social protests as it occurs to me. Like, for example, I learned a song that we don't think about by the Beatles, that it's kind of a social protest song. And I remember this because I remember seeing this on YouTube. Paul McCartney wrote Blackbird in support of black women. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote that in support of black women who were watching their sons, husbands, brothers. So it's just really, and bird is British slang. It was like, yeah. yeah. So what a, you know, and of course, we can go back to Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit. I mean, and for me, I, I lately, songwriting has, has definitely informed poetry. And so I, in putting this together, I had to think about my life. I, I, you know, started in 1961 and am 61 and just remember you know, I mean, Woodstock was a protest movement. I mean, it was a protest to the status quo and everything else that was going on at the time. 
But uh, I'm haunted by a fiction idea about a sundown town lately that revives an ancient curse on the night a certain president wins. And it means reading about the history of of just how part uh, a part of white supremacy is a part of capitalism is a part of the civilization which has now become ecocidal. So victims of oppression are now just I, I mean white supremacy is destroying the planet. I mean we don't have the resources that we did when I was a boy. When I was a kid, I remember flocks of birds. Cell phone towers kill birds, yet I have a cell phone. So I'm haunted by this idea, and I have to read about just how deep it goes. Uh, everything from James Lowen's Sundown Town to a book about the rise of Jim Crow policing called, uh, oh, I forget, Oh, to poison a nation. I'm reading that now. And, uh, you know, reading to get ready to write fiction is just, fiction for me has always been kind of a hard nut to crack. And so I've kind of been in a mode of procrastination and avoidance and playing my bass and listening to, you know, and songwriting and getting back into that. Uh, I don't know that the fear that I have around fiction is serving anybody. It's not serving me, but I do know that this is what the fascists want. They want me afraid. They want us all afraid. They want the poet, the songwriter to navel gaze and actually morph into the dark character of Billy Joel's Captain Jack. We poets, songwriters, and other sensitive types, it seems to me, don't have time for crazy. We don't have time for shame-based behaviors. Leonard Cohen believed, and I paraphrase, that a saint is someone who achieves, in his words, remote human possibility. And I humbly submit the poet, the songwriter, aids and abets the saint by providing such a seeker with the words that bear witness to the magnitude and depth of our human experience. As a boy, I was watching TV with Grandma. Come back to a time worth remembering, the television commercial for a resort town in southern Missouri says, and my childish, innocent self enticed and seduced by the fiddling, the quilt-making, and the shepherd of the hill, and that bounty of delicious-looking food until my grandma rudely awakens me about this era. This commercial ends, and another comes on, showing all these children gleefully dancing and jumping around a youthful white woman holding a plate of cookies, and they're singing Tastes Great like my mom's does. Grandma shuts off. Grandma stands up, shuts the television set off with a huff that hides the tears and goes into the kitchen to make dinner. 
Amid the clatter of pots and pans, I hear her humming in a rich and robust grandmotherly alto. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. I sit and stare at the black screen, and with a tear in my own eye, I hum along. I was watching TV with Grandma. It's from a book that I need to order. I need more copies of my very first copy of literary adulting called Black Lives Matter and Other Poems. Songwriting definitely influences my poetry these days because I've written very little. But my New Year's promise to myself to memorize the fretboard of both guitar and bass, I, I don't make the time necessary for poetry. One thing I know for sure about poetry and social protest, however, is this. Poetry, more often than not, it discards established forms when under protest or duress. For meter, syntax, forms like the sonnet, the beats protesting against capitalism and other discontents in ways that I'm sure the beats themselves weren't even aware of, they sneered at the notion of poetry belonging strictly to so-called high culture. This dismissal of erudite intellectual and academic uh, studies of poetry like that famous fascist, Ezra Pound, for example, led uh, moving from pen to paper to being performed, which we see in the rise of, you know, hip hop and spoken word. And so poetry for, and I, for me personally, while those genres aren't my uh, venue or my mode of expression, I certainly respect them as they are forms of a resistance to uh, the status quo. And so uh, sometimes with small musically, oh, I missed that, the beat, this dismissal of erudite academic study of poetry and moving from pen to paper to being performed, sometimes with small if musically sometimes challenged, musical combos. And I suppose we can give the era of the 60s and 70s, I suppose we can forgive them for producing Rod McEwen. But anyway, when I think of this enormous subject as I close, I, I, I'm afraid we stare down as we stare down ecocide in a ruling class that has nothing left to offer us working class folks, but austerity and war. I realize everyone from Nikki Giovanni to Maya Angelou, from Mercy, Mercy Me by Marvin Gaye to I'm Black and I'm Proud by James Brown, they were informed by the turbulence of the times. And yet we should have seen what the times would produce when the Mod Squad was first produced. But if we're good Unitarians, we know we have to act. We have to accept with every fiber of our being that most likely we will meet the same fate as James Reeb engaging in social protests. But poetry, the written and recited word, can help 
the oppressed shape that fear of death and invisibility into a resolve to live a decent life free of tyranny and the idolatry of greed. It is in the poetry of Langston Hughes, as it is in Neil Young's Ohio, as it is in our seven principles. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, it's an honor to be here and share with uh, All Souls group. Um, I'd like to begin with uh, uh, a poem out of a poem uh, from uh, Chaos. Um, we need to cease fire everywhere for our madness, for destruction, for nuclear weapons, for inequality. Only then we stand on a threshold of a new dawn. I am a nuclear weapons free zone, as well as my office, my home, wherever I travel in this nation. I declare it with my pocketbook and the moral fiber of my being, never rationalizing total destruction. I will stand for peace and justice and ecology and preserving this planet. And I will do so by striving to be open to the spirit of becoming authentic and embracing love as a principle of life. This is why I am a nuke-free zip code. The theme that I have usually worked with, and I call it prophetic poetry, is dissident poetry and a, a language to move us. And so it usually is triggered out of a context of um, an occasion, something that's happened, um, and something that will become and needs relevance. And so I use poetry as a way to break through the expected um, and um, and challenge our learning as a uh, way to find that tension that's often uh, tension between, well, prose and, um, and poetry. Uh, the way I would put it is I look out at my um, waterfall and see water cascading down and I adjust the rocks to uh to direct the water um the tension is one of form and spirit as paul tillich would call it and the form is one important dichotomy in um in and alongside juxtaposed with uh the flow and um the turmoil and the itch and the um the burr in the saddle, the uh, the uh, injustice, the underdog, really the opposite. I usually find greater truth in the opposite. I look at something on the status quo level, and if I look at the opposite, there's usually hidden in there a, 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 a greater truth. 
And so that keeps me going. I, I should introduce myself. I have been um, a career uh, pastor uh, for 50 years and um, uh, using uh, um, pastoral, and but also a prophetic side to it, an edge to uh, look at the alternative to... Uh, see what is also around the corner. And so um, I uh, worked with uh, Lake of those Arcs Parish and Lake of those Arcs for uh, a long time. Um, and it's the leisure ministry. And we usually provided the social justice um, resources in, in, in the middle of uh, Missouri here. And uh, also I... Um, uh, I remember back going through uh, college, it seemed like I went through school forever. Um, and uh, we worked with the heritage players and we traveled around from churches to churches and uh, put on this play. I was a, a, the, the rebellious kid in this play, Armor of Light. And we would put on uh, uh, events. And uh, so, uh, that was a, uh, a, a important part uh, to to my uh, my uh, sharing. Um, I always and and still do think that there is a link, and usually in poetry, uh, that link starts with a, uh, uh, an observation on nature, and uh, but I think it's it's more of this when we can. Um, bring um, a notion of social justice into uh, and, and have poetry uh, address certain things that uh, can be done in no other way. The way I, um, the way I do poetry, um, it's kind of a, a beginning point of meditation, and I look at what is disturbing. What is um, more weighty? What um, uh, provides a discomfort? Uh, as I said, an itch, uh, something that gnaws and aggravates. Uh, and so it's not like looking out at a smooth, um, glassy, um, peaceful. Uh, area but it has more probably to do with the turmoil that's in life and try to identify what that is and so it's the occasion for me that triggers the poem and i started to put on the end of my poems on the occasion of in fact the latest poem was poems rising to the occasion and um so in that way i was able to um um connected to something that's going on that's that's real um and so i take a blank sheet of paper so to speak uh and i just i sit there and think it's a thinking time and um oftentimes i start out with nature but i've observed around my backyard mostly and or uh, wherever I am, and um, 
And then I, I tend to use free verse. Um, I find that it flows better. It allows me to be freed up. And I try to sculpt words, um, not contorted to try to fit it into a box of, of trying to rhyme it. I usually do leave that for songwriting, but just to be able to um, to uh, allow some freedom to uh, to generate energy within me, and so it, the the style in poetry is important uh, to to make it uh, to claim it as poetry, um, and so whatever then bubbles up and um and connects somehow when it begins there's a flow there and uh and hopefully i end with a surprise or some hopeful point to something that's hopeful uh towards the end of the poem but uh what i have discovered is that Editing is critical uh, because uh, it uh, helps you second guess what's going on to reframe it. And I have had some of the best editors in the world point right over there. <laughs> With Jane uh, Stover has been one of my editors. And so I have appreciated her work. Um, and so also I think the, uh, the way it is presented, I think poetry is meant to be read and um to uh to figure out how what your pre presenting style is is important to me um and so what i want to do here is share some poems um there there's been kind of a sequence of poems uh i've started out with like four different uh prophetic poetry books and um uh and so there's there's um prophetic uh poetry and i i've taken the core values that come as i studied it in uh i actually did a fictional book that uh, is called gaps and i have a search on what are the values that are important there's a contest that's set up and um so i uh i do that and then uh there's been a book on a book of love called the five faces of love and i've taken a different uh look at that in terms of the way we usually uh think about love and um of course uh a, a deep passion love is uh a part of uh of uh poetry to me um and then i've done shadows um and uh have looked and took a followed um an ant around in my room and un uh, underscored all the different protests that i've been involved in and try to identify what was insignificant, but then what is significant. Um, and so um, I'm going to uh, share with you a few of these poems. 
Um, first one is peace on the far trail. Far into the distant trail and a place to rest my weariness, but I'm not there yet. And I struggle through every pain to wonder if I will ever see peace. Not as in the fantasy of my desires, where a soft breeze flutters upon the leaves and a warm sun streaks across the grass and the pools of water remain glassy-eyed, but a peace that lights up the darkness and one that faces into the real specter of frightening monsters as humongous as tax agents pouncing upon bank accounts or a peace that will resolve the battle of nuclear explosions that fire up your eyes with vivid red blood splattered everywhere, which leaves you limp but shocked. Shaken to the core in convulsions of war, such a peace is far along the trail. To wonder when we can ever rest again and rub out the diameters of separation. To redraw the lines into one big circle, erasing the sides and including everyone. Blacks, browns, tan, yellow, red, and white. Lambs, wolves, lion, and child. All creatures of the living peace that respects and loves and gratefully reaches a spot to rest our head where the chaos turns into creation, where we embrace energies of hope and we are no longer tired, just loved. I think I'm going to share with you just a couple things out of the uh, foreword of this uh, book, Prophetic Poetry, Volume 3, A Holy Occasion for Openness, Authenticity, and Love. Many people feel uncomfortable with poetry, like a distant drone of noisy weed eaters. Poetry has changed from the sentimental gooiness of contrived rhyming of the last words, but what we have been left with is a collage of words, colliding on the trivial highway leading to dead ends. They know that poetry was meant to be fuzzy, emotional, pointing to a deeper meaning, but it misses the mark too subjective for reality-oriented thinkers. We have not always improved our progress by rational thought if it leads to blowing ourselves up. And one of the things about poetry, prophetic poetry, it ought to engage us in social transformation and pull us away from the status quo into a new creative realm a place of openness, authenticity, and love. Let me share with you TikTok. Talk out. Kind of a recent poem, because it's not a very good way to end it all. Now that the doomsday clock is set at 90 seconds before midnight, when human civilization will self-destruct. Knock, knock, anyone paying attention? Humans have an unknown execution date as time relentlessly passes us by and by. It's inevitable, but it flirts with some choice. We don't have to die by nuclear weapons. If we sign ICANN treaties prohibiting them, 
We can avoid fireballs and radiation winters and choose healthy lives and natural deaths. We could provide a future for our grandkids, eliminating assault weapons and mass shootings, banning the spread of Hiroshima-like scenarios, learning to live nonviolently and peacefully. That thing about grandkids. Tony, my wife, is here, and uh, we uh, have books. We shared books and writing about grandparenting. And uh, it was our way to say one of the ways we can become peacemakers. This is the way we produce the next generation. And they always told us our two kids were great human beings, and and they always wanted to know why. And uh, um, so we thought we write, but then I found out after writing the book about grandparenting, parenting in a grand way is that everybody wants to do it their own way. First off, <laughs> they don't need advice on that. Um, and, uh, I was going to. I've done some things with uh, nonfiction and fiction. Uh, poetry is the place I like to be. But I want to share with you just some endings. Like I, like I said, the, the Gaps book is the one where uh, it shares um, uh, this search all over the North uh, Ozarks and around the world. And it, it ends with the Blake's death at the end. And the last sentence is, I really worked on this for a while. The sea, it says, the sea that hour turned a Sabbath calm and filled all the gaps. As you fall into the water, um, Filling all the gaps. And then a room full of shadows is this uh, ant running around in my room. And uh, and it's very simple. I go to my beanbag for solace. I turn on the tiny light spreading shadows. Hear some gentle music and find hope in the elusive shadows of peace. Peace has been one of the major core values of mine, you know. For Joseph, uh, the social justice of equality. Why are we still having so much trouble with the um, with those traditions? Uh, the only time I could get at that and thinking about that was um, when I thought about some of the traditions that are laid out. Um, like we got a a big game today. A gift of joy. That's what it is. Purser finds keeps blinking on a blank page. Nothing fills the time better than the nostalgia of swirling smoke surrounding smiling spirits, exhilarated by the thought that the Chiefs will top off their season at the Super Bowl. 
Everyone in Kansas City feels lighter, brighter, after a game to lift a trophy as AFL champions, so close, so intense with the formidable Bengals, the emotional high from winning is a gift of sports, escaping emptiness, transcending the moment. Of course, there's always that. And one way to look at it, the flip side of the underbelly of that is that there's aggression in the sport, which makes it kind of fun. But there's uh, also uh, a mockery on the indigenous uh, people of this land. And so uh, try to change that tradition. The tomahawk chop, uh, maybe it's a chef chop or something. But that's a... that's the, the kind of diff- why we have so much trouble in this country changing things is uh, it's it's deep. Peace and justice for all. The sun graces the day with warm compassion, filling the room with bright beams of sunlight riding a swirl of smoke wandering in disarray after shivering days of gray winter stillness. The day forgives all the lines of deep deep markation. All creatures look technicolor and equally wonderful. This is the way it should be, celebrating diversity. Even though our Constitution purports equality, some myopic whites have taught racism to children. Perhaps we have to wait on whites to be a minority. I almost think that's got to happen before some of these white nationalists can uh, shift their uh, their uh, patriotism. <laughs> Still, the threat is whether the planet can survive. If we minimize extermination by nuclear weapons, prophetic poetry touches the pain of our violence. Time to turn nuclear arms into loving arms of peace. I'm just going to uh, zip along here to the to my last poem because of the time restraints. Oh, there's one on balloon diplomacy (laughs) can you imagine that vibrations I have traveled to the edge of the abyss feeling alone I have endured the torture of short-sighted resistance I would chase dreams like squirrels on a distant tree. I could feel at one amongst the scintillating stars. I can scan the galaxy and sense the energy of peace. I can appreciate the yellow rose bursting in beauty. I find warmth in the memories and lust for life. Vibrations of love 
pulsate throughout the universe. Thank you. Speaking of what's upcoming, I'll just mention next week, we have a tale of two police departments and two twenty-three twenty-three. This will be brought to us with Laura McDonald. And two twenty-three twenty-three is the Metro-wide public meeting um, that will be coming up. So that'll be, it's a really key piece. So if you can tune in or attend next week, I think you'll find that really informative. And then on February 26th, we have environmental injustice in Kansas City with Clean Air Now, um, with Atinas Mena and Beto Lugo Martinez will be joining us then. This question is for either or both of our poets. And the question is, even though the Beatles are not generally considered to be a social protest group, I wondered if you would include Revolution and and also Nowhere Man as um, sort of protests. Short answer is yes. Um, you have to realize that uh, the Beatles, uh, even though even though they you know they they were these kind of songwriting geniuses that had come out of skiffle and pin pan alley and everything else they were also very aware of the times that they were in uh as well so um i think most song craft of that era whether it's you know one tin soldier rides away or imagine or any of the songs that were mentioned, I think are speak to the times. I, I remember when I was in high school, I had a humanities class. I think it was my, it had to be my senior year. Um, and the teacher there, Mr. Reed, he, one of the things he taught about art in, in general, no matter the media or genre, one of the things that I remember from that textbook, art is made by human beings. Art is universal. Art is experiential. So art is made by us human beings. Art is universal. And I remember this vividly because as you know, black writers were starting to emerge, like Nikki Giovanni and, and, and some of the other, my personal favorite, a local poet here, uh, and Bimbe Milton Smith. Um, you know, well, you know, this, this poetry, this literature is great, but it's not universal. And Gwendolyn Brook, uh, a, a poet who uh, came to some of uh, some prominence in the sixties, you know, kind of shot that, that down by saying, you know, so what you're saying is that, you know, blacks or other people of color don't live in the universe. And I think, you know, we know very well that Lennon and McCartney were men of their times. And we know that, uh, you know, so was Marvin Gaye and any great poet. Yeah, we just lost a great poet, Burt Bacharach. You know, what the world needs now is love. You know, I mean, uh, you know, the great artists, 
survive the times that they're in. I mean, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills loves that music from that era. So, you know, I think when we talk about social protests, I think we have to kind of do that with kind of a little bit. We have to kind of take a step back because all great artists, all great poets, whether it's Galway Cannell or whether it's Theodore Refke or any, you know, poet working today, Martina Spada, at some point they turn their gaze to what is really happening. Uh, the journalist goes to where the silence is, and I think the poet and the songwriter does as well. Yeah, I um, um, I think that's uh, well said. In terms of uh, coming out of um, periods of injustice, I came out of the 60s. And at the beginning, I don't think I really realized what uh, what that meant. I, I protested the v Vietnam War early. I got fired from a church for doing so. Um, and uh, it's, uh, you don't have to go far to, to experience the injustices. And it does come through uh, the songwriting of... Uh, of our uh, poets and mm. uh, and uh, songsters, um, so it's yeah. Uh, there's plenty to uh, that that's that's wrong, and it just needs to be corrected. We we and and we look to our heroes and and uh, artists to do that. Uh, I was wondering what the two of you thought of, uh, and may or may not have experience with this, uh, local news coverage of the social justice issues you mentioned, like the Defender, the Beacon, the Star. Um, which of these do you think does it best, uh, or have you read them? I've not read the Star. Um we just did a forum with the young man, the brother from the Defender. I haven't gotten to the Defender in a while. Um, I've been looking. I, I, I've kind of grown disenchanted with uh, mainstream media on the left and the right. I've been looking at a lot of uh, anarchist uh, stuff. I almost hate to say that. Um, but uh, I've been looking at, uh, you know, what's known as post-left critique um, and looking at how um, the state in, uh, uses or, or will use or insinuate itself into uh, social protests and, and now, Chris Hedges is just documented the three. We saw this happen with Occupy. We saw what happened with Occupy under Barack Obama. We saw what happened in Zuccotti Park. We saw what happened in Seattle. You know, the Battle of Seattle. You know, the state will 
stop at nothing. They will weaponize organized religion. We've seen that. So, you know, what we are looking at are forms, and I think Kendall uh, Gibbons is spot on. Um, we're looking at secular forms of idolatry. Uh, white nationalism is a form of idolatry. Capitalism is a form of idolatry. When we look at these systems of oppression, uh, whether it's uh, misogyny or homophobia, we have to look at how they insinuate themselves into resistance movements. Cornell West was down in Charlottesville and said if it had not been for folks like you and me, i.e. Antifa, he would be dead. So, you know, we have to move past what has been given to us by the state and, and these secular forms of idolatry and look at these agents of resistance that are challenging what the ruling class is offering us, which, as I said in my presentation, is nothing but austerity and war. We need to rise above that. And, and for me, that meant kind of shutting down mainstream media, because I, I think I, I, I think Tucker Carlson, frankly, is, and Rachel Maddow are just two sides of, of a coin that do nothing to redeem our dignity as working people. Amen to that. Um, I, I look at main, main media as um, kind of entertainment. Um, and uh, do my jumble puzzle, but uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider that I was informed unless I at least listened to Amy Goodman. Uh, that is where I really get a sense of a more global understanding of uh, the wider picture and what the what real people are going through. So I I thank that journalist for mm -hmm. for helping us. Um. Our YouTube uh, audience includes a lady named Carolyn McDonald. Yay, <laughs> Carolyn! How are you doing? Uh, she remembers uh, poetry books as a as a child, and that they were her books had uh, fingerprints all over them. Mm -hmm. So her question is: What do you remember from your exposure to poetry as a child? To both of you, and then I wanted to thank PeaceWorks for including me a long time ago in um, in the. Uh, understanding of the magnitude of what we're dealing with something uh when it comes to poetry books uh i don't know it's all a blur um my parents were teachers and so i just said books in general um in around the house uh poetry books weren't available I started out a music major and then switched to English. And 
I think it was like actually some of my college textbooks where I actually got into really into poetry and really I think it was seeing well, I had seen Nikki Giovanni, I'd seen Maya Angelo live, I had seen I but I think it was actually Galway Cannell, uh more pastoral poet who uh you know he up at Benedictine, we had a literary journal called Loomings. And I've since lost this autograph of his, but he had a book of poems called The Avenue Bearing the Initial of Christ into the New World, was the name of the and, and he wrote in this copy of Loomings to Joseph, the poet who will Bear, who will write the new road bearing the old initial. And I knew at that moment that, you know, I had had something, you know, that, you know, and my parents or my mom, and I had this teacher, I swear to you, her name, Benedictine Nun, and her, she was just as delightful as her name, Sister Mary Faith. And, um, gee, I had, almost clapped out of English comp. And she said, you know, Mrs. Davis, she said, you know, your son may be a music major, but I think we both know he's a writer. And so, so for me, you know, it, I, I was always writing. I was always, you know, doing well enough. But I think it wasn't until college that I kind of realized, oh, and it was in high school where I actually kind of got censored um, from, uh, so, no, no, it's always been there. It's just kind of, but music was always the first love. Poetry was always the one that kind of, hey, you're good at this. You're a natural. Don't forget about me. Well, I, I think that uh, uh, poets uh, you know, could use a little empathy uh, and touch the, the emotions. Uh, for me, growing up, uh, I guess what my parents gave me was poverty. <laughs> and, uh, and that's kind of the invisible force that you don't see of the dehumanizing process and, and, uh, and seeing things a little bit differently than what most people see. Um, and I think coming out of that kind of experience is a part of the journey. And I don't remember so much about just normal childhood in terms of being inputted with, uh, with uh, the written word, you know. Thank you all. You've uh, increased my appreciation for poetry <laughs> and uh, hearing you read it directly and then your perspectives, which have some commonalities but a lot of differences. But I have sort of a cheater question for everybody, which is, um, are you planning to come and hear more of Joseph and others from All Souls, etc., next Sunday evening over at Simpson House? Oh, I'll be there with bells on there. That's actually the that's actually the uh reading I'm getting ready for. Uh like I said I kinda missed Carolyn uh in 
some days when I work at the hospital, all I want to do is just come home and go to bed. And um, so I miss, and with her being away, you know, I, I, but next week is the one I'm getting ready for. This one, I, I, this particular uh, forum was, it's like I said, it was, it was so big and broad that how do I, what do I latch on to? And all I had was, you know, my experience. Well, my experience right now is kind of more musical and more towards songwriting and fiction. But I do know that the same thing that inspires poetry in me um, also in, informs those other disciplines that I love so much. Okay, again, thank you to both of you. The next week, we have a tale of two police departments and two twenty-three twenty-three. This will be brought to us with Laura McDonald. And two twenty-three twenty-three is the Metro-wide public meeting um, that will be coming up. So that'll be, it's a really key piece. So if you can tune in or attend next week, I think you'll find that really informative. Thank you for tuning in to the All Souls Forum. Keep your radio dialed to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio, for your Jazz Afternoon with KC, coming up immediately, followed by The Boogie Bridge with Jason Vivoni, and then the Heartland Labor Forum at 6 p.m. In the meantime, have a great day.